Welcome back to Breaking Brave. I'm your host, Marilyn Barefoot. Earlier this month, something extremely special happened. For the first time, I actually met and recorded guests live for this show. The guests are John Cullen, founder of It's Just Parkinson's, and his amazing partner, Patty. John's original episode of Breaking Brave aired on May the 19th of 2022. For those listeners who have not heard it yet, we have included it after this update. As you'll hear, Parkinson's takes a little piece out of John and Patty every day. When those little pieces come together as one big piece, John and Patty's world is turned upside down. Please welcome John Cullen and Patty, who bravely fight every day to keep Parkinson's at bay. After all, it's just Parkinson's. So, hey, guess what? I am here in Sanibel Captiva, Fort Myers, and John Cullen and I and his beautiful partner, Patty, have just had lunch. And this is going to be the very, very, very first live Breaking Brave recording we've actually ever done, because when I started this, it was COVID, and we've never actually been able to do anything in a studio. So welcome, John. Hello. Good to see you. And welcome, Patty. Hello. Nice to meet you, and good to see you. And we thought we'd take this wonderful time together in this gorgeous little cafe where we've just had smoothies and coffees and delicious things to eat for lunch and just ask John how he's doing and what's going on in your world and with your films since we last spoke to you. So it's uh, Parkinson's is on the march. Uh, it's the best way I can describe it. It is uh, definitely when you see my movie uh, two years ago, uh, I look like I didn't have Parkinson's compared to how I look today. I think it's just it's just it's just taking its toll every single day. So there are things like that I can't do by my own by myself, like dress myself. Uh, you saw at lunch uh, cutting my cutting my meat, cutting my food is impossible. So I have Patty here to help me, which is uh, I couldn't do it without her. That's for sure. And John, have they have have has the medical system increased anything that's helping you in terms of? Drugs, and the second part of that question is, how goes the reality of your weightlifting, which I assume you're still doing? I am still doing the weightlifting, though. Vince and I are no longer together, so that has been an adjustment for me because he and I really uh, were were simpatico. We were very much uh, in, in sync with each other. So it's been a struggle to find somebody who's as good as Vince, and as a matter of fact, I've decided to take it in-house, and, and I built my own gym at my house so I can do my own lifting as I see fit. Excellent. And drug-wise, have the doctors been helping in terms of anything they can give you that makes life a little bit easier since the last time we chatted? So I guess they're, you know, you, you discover things about Parkinson's that you don't really realize. But uh, I found myself waking up in my car driving down the road. I would fall asleep and not even know it. So there's a medication that, uh, that I'm taking now that it helps keep me awake <laughs> during the day. That was, that was a, a sudden discovery that I had. Yeah. It, it, the medication works, definitely. It keeps me awake. Terrifying. Yes. I'd like to chat with Patty. When we first interviewed John, your name came up a number of times as the angel who helps. But as John's condition marches on, 
so therefore increases your reality of being the caregiver. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about how that feels, Patty? Um, right now, it's it's really very um, manageable. I I try to manage my time um, based around when he's going to need me to do certain things for him or assist him with certain things. Um, so instance, if we are going out, I'll make sure that I give myself enough time to get showered, get dressed and get ready to go that I have time, you know, a good 30 minutes or so afterwards to help him after his shower, get dressed and get ready to go. Um, so that, that it, it keeps the frustration out of the factor. You know, I'm not pushing myself up, you know, to the minute we have to go and then John's not ready to go. And then you have two frustrated individuals trying to get out the door. Um, and I also make time for myself. I make, you know, I, I do go to the gym. I do have some time to get away. And, um, you know, that, that helps a lot. But I'm just, you know, I just try to be there for when he needs me. And yet... Um, still allow him to be able to do the things that he can do on his own. And is it tough? Is it tough for you? I mean, from the standpoint of John's just talked about Parkinson's is marching on. So your assistance with him on day-to-day things must be changing. They, it, it does change. Um, he, he does need me to assist him more and more. And helping him isn't the tough part. It's seeing the struggles that he goes through is what gets hard. And that's where I'll get emotional. Um, yeah, yesterday, I forgot even how it came out, but John came out and he'll start crying and I start crying. And then we just hug and look at each other and smile and go on our day. So yesterday was a tough day. We went out for a three mile walk and I for some reason, after about a mile, I had to go from signpost to signpost, holding myself up. I, I looked like a drunk, literally. And, and so for two miles, I stumbled and Patty helped, she held me up. But it was tough because obviously that's something new that just we just discovered yesterday. And that's got to be the terrifying thing. Not that I have any idea how this goes, but from one day to the next... Then all of a sudden, there's something new. There's something different. Yesterday, I could do this, but then today, I try to do exactly the same thing, and somehow, it somehow it's not working. Yes, and that that is hard. That's hard from a caregiver standpoint too, because it's something that you didn't need my assistance with. I'm like all of a sudden now you're grabbing my hand because you're not quite sure if you can take that next step, and um, that it's a, that's hard. The emotional aspect of it is it's, it's hard to see him struggle through those things. It's, that's the hardest part. Just to see every day something different, you know, something different is changing. I describe Parkinson's as a, like a, a meat slicer. You know, it, it, when, you, when you cut a piece of meat, it's very thin. Every day Parkinson's is taking a little, just a little slice of meat. But but in ten days there's a lot more taken away, so that that's what I think happens is every day there's a slice of me that's gone, and then and then all of a sudden it pops up what 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 is what I'm not able to do, so so this walking thing is is tough. Yeah, that was a that was a new one for us, but we did it. We did those three miles. We're gonna do them again, Dana. and we're gonna do them again. We are. So John said, as we walked, he goes, damn it, you never give up. You never quit. You never give up, never surrender. That's my motto. 
it's hard to say that at times because you know we're still a mile and a half from home, and I'm, I know. I'm looking I'm looking for another <laughs> signpost. <laughs> So, John, let's talk about the future here. You were just telling me over lunch that you were going to Ohio. You've got a screening of the movie. There's a three-day conference. There's lots happening for you. So can we talk about that for a little bit and maybe how we might be able to support you going for, forward from here? Well, the movie is starting to get its own traction, its own set of legs. So in, a, in early April, we're going to go to a symposium put on by Ohio University, one of the university in, uh, in Athens, Ohio. And it's a three-day symposium based around Parkinson's, but, uh, but the, the cornerstone of the entire symposium is the movie. So I'm, I'm very excited to show that. We're going to have at least 600 people to, to 1,000 people seeing the movie when it comes out. Um, we're, we're starting to see uh, it go slowly go viral. We now have 19 countries it's been seen in, which is excellent. You know, I don't know who saw it in Pakistan, but somebody saw it in Pakistan. Romania, I actually know the guy in Romania. He, he uh, emailed me and, and said, can I see your movie again because I need the inspiration. I've sent it to him twice. That's amazing. Well, I want more and more and more people in the world to see your movie and to support what you're doing. It's just Parkinson's. So... This is the shout-out, John. How can people reach you, follow you, support you? I think you need to come to my website, www.itsjustparkinsons.com, or my Instagram, it's just Parkinson's. One of those two ways. I check Instagram more, more regularly. If you want to reach out to me and DM me, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. And, Patty, is what can we do for you going forward to help you, support you, be strong for you? What, what can we do for you? Just, um... You know, just to come to John's website, continue to, you know, see the support there. It's like, you know, we're doing, it's just Parkinson's together, mostly John, but just continue to, you know, watch the movie and let him be an inspiration. Fabulous. Well, today has been a delight and an inspiration. It's been an absolute delight. So thank you, John, and thank you, Patty. And uh, let's continue to check in with each other because I want to hear how things go in Ohio. Sounds great. I'd love to give you an update. I'll give you an update after it happens. Thank you. It was nice meeting you. This was great. I don't even know how to best introduce this incredible human being by the name of John Cullen. John, six years ago, was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And John fights every single day to make sure that that disease doesn't continue to take from him what it's trying to take from him. John, welcome to Breaking Brave. I'm thrilled that you're here with me to have a chat. Oh, thank you, Marilyn, for having me. I really appreciate it. I really do. Thank you. So, John, I like in the way I like to approach life as a story, a storyteller, is that I would love to hear, I'd love our listeners, our audience, and we have a global audience, which is fantastic. So Great. it's not just Canada, even though that's where I'm based. Um, let me tell the story, uh, if you could share with us, when you were cycling in the Pyrenees in France, because you were a professionally, seriously huge athlete, and you started to notice something. So let's let's start there to the point of diagnosis so that they can understand how this came into your life. 
Sure, I think it was 2014 I went to cycle in the Pyrenees. I wasn't a professional cyclist. I was just with a group of uh, uh, what I would call weekend warriors, uh, a group of people that were very serious about cycling. So um, when when we took off, when we took off on the very first day, um, I noticed that my right leg was not keeping up with my left leg. And this was the first time I really kind of consciously caught that. You know, I hadn't, hadn't caught it in training all during the year. I hadn't caught it in the year before. And it just struck me as odd that the right side of my body was not keeping up. So we rode uh, probably 70 miles every single day, uh, climbed 10,000 feet every every single day for about eight days. And I came in last among 13 riders every single day by about an hour. You know, uh, I was so weak on the right side of my body that so- I knew something was terribly wrong. And I just I just kind of gutted it out and got the, got the ride done over that period of time. When I got back to the States, I made a doctor's appointment. And it took me a while to get to a doctor. It's not easy to get into to see a neurologist, and sometimes it can take months. So several mm-hmm. several months later, I walked in to see a neurologist. And I actually, before before I even walked in, I knew I had Parkinson's. I, I just knew it. I knew from the from the symptoms. I knew from the, what I read that I had Parkinson's, or I had MS. One of the two. It had to be one of those two diagnoses. And when I walked in, the doctor did the test, and she said you have Parkinson's. And I was not. Um, because I knew I had it, I was not. I was not taken aback. I was not shocked. I was not, you know, I I I wasn't. I wasn't uh, upset by the by the diagnosis primarily because I knew I had it. So it was yeah. just really confirming it. And you knew because you'd done some work online. You'd looked up the symptoms and kind of narrowed it down to, it's either MS or it's Parkinson's. Right. Yes. Correct. And so I, I once I got once I got the diagnosis, I went and got a second opinion, and that, that second opinion confirmed the Parkinson's. And then, what did the doctors do for you, John? At this point, what did the medical system suggest to you was the best way to go forward from this diagnosis? Yeah, what they said at the beginning was, "We're going to take it slow from a medication standpoint." You know, as you as your symptoms worsen, we'll want to put more medication to work. But right now, let's use the least amount of medication possible. So the first three years, it was very low medication, very low dosages. I wasn't even on L-Dopa. I was on some other, um, um, I don't even recall what I was on, but it was not as strong as L-Dopa. And, uh, and I just, two years ago, I moved over to L-Dopa, or, you know, so it. So I'm I'm just slowly ramping up uh, in terms of uh, that pill in terms of the, the pills, but the, but the, uh, my doctor was not into pills. He was not it was not his first thing to do. And you were living in North Carolina, and I, I mean I'm not clear if you still live in North Carolina and Florida, or it's just Florida now. I'm not sure. It's North Carolina and Florida. So in the summer we go back to North Carolina. At the time I was living in North Carolina, I was a cyclist. I was riding up and down the mountains there. I was running, I was, you know, pretty much uh, doing what I had done all my life. Uh, however, um, I just decided that I needed to take this on and, and do it, you know, in, in an aggressive manner. So I began to just, you know, exercise very diligently to try to defeat Parkinson's any way I possibly could. So. And John, was there any research? Was there any, I'm trying to make the... The connection now for you to get into the powerlifting that you're doing in all of the incredible uh, research scientifically that's now being done around how this helps it basically overloading your system with dopamine by pushing yourself this hard. Was this something that essentially you figured out, John, or had to, had you done some 
reading or had somebody said, you should do this because this will stave off some of the symptoms? Uh, I actually, when I started powerlifting, it was because I had lost the ability to cycle and I really lost the ability to run very well. So I needed something else to do and, and I decided to do powerlifting. I had no idea it was going to have a positive impact on my on my symptoms. I had not done the research. I just, I just, you know, it was very much serendipity, right? I started lifting and I noticed right away within uh, within a month that it, it, it had a positive impact on my on my on my on my my entire uh, progression of Parkinson's. So scientifically, you've you've changed the world for Parkinson's patients out of necessity, I suppose. Um, you've come up with something that's definitely, at least it's working super well for you. And Great. and I got to believe, are there, are there other Parkinson's patients who have taken up lifting, heavy lifting now that, and say to you, hey, John, thank you. You, you, you really making a difference in my life from what you suggested maybe I do? So yes, I think there are. Uh, as a matter of fact, I know there's a uh, there are five people at my gym now that have Parkinson's that are working out on a regular basis. Uh, a year ago, there was just me. Now there's five. So we're, we're, we're bringing in more and more. There's a couple of people that, have, that started there that had extreme symptoms, lot, lots of dyskinesia, which is the, you know, the r- random movement of arms and legs, lots of dyskinesia. We, we had them in there for six weeks and that calmed that down. You can actually see, we took video, video of it that, that when he started versus when uh, six weeks later, and it made a big difference. I did some research that says, and correct me if I'm wrong, this maybe not all research is right, John, one in 100 people over the age of 50 will be affected by yes. Parkinson's. Yes, you are, you are correct. One in, one in 100. Does it run in families? Where, where, yeah. Why is it one in 100 people in and the age of 50 do you do you understand like well, why did it pick you to to quote your film uh yeah well, i was lucky enough to get randomly picked by parkinson's i guess um you know it's one in 100 uh it's generally what i what i've read is that 15 percent is, is is genetics the rest of it 85 percent, is something else outside of genetics so it's really it's more probably environmental, you know, and if you think about what's going on in the environment and what's happening, you know, mm. with, with pollution levels and that kind of toxicity in, in the environment and food, it makes sense that more people would be getting Parkinson's. Why 50? I'm not sure exactly sure. You know, that's, that's, the, average, that's the average age of onset. But I know a lot of people that have young, young onset Parkinson's disease, you know, some, some guys that was 32, some guys that was 47, you know, it's, it's hitting a lot young, younger people, I think, just as much. You know, 50 is the average. That's terrifying. I didn't. I didn't realize. I didn't realize that it was so much around. Mm-hmm. I, I. I had no idea. So, John, can you talk about your your journey then in the garage? So, setting up your garage in North Carolina. I want to hear about the banners that you installed, and obviously, in the film we're about to get into in a few minutes. There's lots of great footage of you. It's all it's all beautifully set up in your garage. As basically, it's a gym. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. I, I once I decided to start powerlifting, I got rid of the bicycles and the running shoes, and I replaced it with weights, and and equipped my gym with uh, enough weights to do heavy lifting. So that was my my objective was to build out a gym so I didn't need to go anywhere when I was in Nashville uh, and and could lift and work out. So. 
I built out the gym and I put some uh, posters around the, the gym. The one that uh, is very poignant is the one that says, it's just Parkinson's. And that, that's where it all started. That, in, in the gymnasium, in my garage, I put up one sign that said, it's just Parkinson's. Now, if you flash forward uh, two years, we now have a worldwide movement. We have IJP, we have a website, we have a Instagram presence, and we have a growing organization of, of individuals who uh, embrace the uh, IJP mindset. It's incredible. It's incredible, and it's so needed. The idea of IJP, hashtag IJP, it's just Parkinson's, is a warrior cry, as a beacon of hope, as it doesn't have to be Parkinson's. Right. It's just whatever that human being happens to be battling. I agree, right? Initially it was Parkinson's, but it's really, it's it's gone out to a lot of, a lot of other people that have contacted me don't have Parkinson's, they have P- PTSD, they have MS, they have other illnesses that they're battling, cancer, that they're using this IJP mindset to to, uh, to address the, and attack the attack the, the problem, which is uh, to me is uh, is humbling really when I think about it because they're using uh, this mindset that we came up with to to help their daily battle, which is incredible to me. Well, you are very brave and very strong, John, because I certainly know a lot of people that might have been in those same shoes of receiving a diagnosis around Parkinson's and just curling up and going home and feeling sorry for themselves instead of turning it on its head and fighting it every day as you're doing. I think a part of it is um, my upbringing. And I always, uh, when I was younger, I always wanted to read books about uh, uh, whatever the situation was where the outcome was in doubt, you know whether it's, you know, crossing south to the South Pole or it's, a, it's a exploring a particular sea or, or you know, whatever, whatever it is, the outcome was in doubt. And I always try to get into the psyche of the, the hero or the person that was being profiled and say, how are they handling this? How are they just so uh, aloof or a plum? You know, they're just so calm about this whole thing. And, and, I, and I wanted to basically get that in myself. You know, I think about Ernest Shackleton. His, his, his in 1915, roughly, his ship sank with you know in the in the, in the South Pole Sea, South Pole, down by the South Pole. Hundred men on the ice, and his first comment was, "I guess we'll go home." You know, you know, and, and, you, know you know, in the face of that kind of impossibility, he basically said, yeah, "Let's we'll, we'll go home. We're going to go home now." They don't even have a ship, right? <laughs> I guess that's how I look at Parkinson. You know, we're just going to go home. You know, it's just I'm not going to let it rattle me. And I think people want that kind of guidance. I think they want to belong to something that, that basically pushes back on that disease. And it seems, John, to me, like that's not the first reaction of the human condition. Maybe by my observations of the world, people generally don't do what you've done. And so bless you for doing what you've done, because it gives such an incredible beacon of hope to people who are fighting the battle. I'm going to bring up your video from 2019 to then 2020, where basically you were in the gym in Mm -hmm. Florida, and there's the before, if you will, and the after video. Astonishing. Yeah, it really is. It's amazing. Astonishing because obviously the time it took you to lift the weight in 2019 versus 
2020 and the fact that I was I was counting the rings on the on the barbell there was more in 2020 obviously based on how many discs you had on the bar but it was your it was your heart it was your psyche what I could see in the 2019 video was kind of a shadow of John walking yes, to the waves yeah. mm-hmm. but then in 2020 I saw a proud, confident, strong man walking to the weights where the mental side of this has been affected just as dramatically as the physical side, I got to believe. Oh, definitely. You know, when I was walking up to that weight in, 20, in 2020, I, I was saying, you know, that weight was the Parkinson's, right? Oh, no, you don't. No, you don't. I'm going to show you exactly what's going on. And I basically walked up and picked that weight up just like it was nothing. I mean, it went up so easy. That was 450 pounds, by the way. And in, in, in 2019, it was 400. It was 400 pounds. Yeah, I, I totally agree. In, in, in 19, it was a you know it was a shadow of myself. It really was you know I, I wasn't moving very well. I wasn't I wasn't engaged in the world the way I am now. And and you know and in, in the next video it shows me just walking up and and I was just so focused on the fact that I'm going to defeat this enemy that I picked it right up. And that person you hear yell in the background is my my trainer, Vince. Vince. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Vince for a second. We'll wander all over the place. Sure. When you set up your garage in North Carolina and you were doing the weights, that's great. But in the film, and we're going to come to the film too, you talk about the need for, the want for, the desire for somebody to push you harder. So along comes, if I'm right, DNA Fitness, along comes a gym that you walk into when you're living in Sanibel, Florida. And there is this man named Vince. Yes. Vince uh, Vince was, uh, there are a bunch of trainers at DNA. Vince is one of the ones that, that trains for heavy lifting. And I, and initially I went there, I worked by myself. You know, I just was over in the corner working by myself and trying to do things on my own. And I kept watching Vince and I kept thinking, that's what I really want to do. I want to lift heavy stuff. I want to just pick up heavy weight and see what it's all about. I had no idea it was going to affect Parkinson's the way it did. I hadn't done the research. Now I see there's a lot of papers out and there's a lot of research that show that, you know, this is very beneficial. And I just approached Vince and I said, would you mind teaching me? He said, absolutely. And I said, I'd like to lift 450 pounds. He said, well, we're going to get you to lift 500. You know, and, and, he, and so Vince was right away starting to push me up upward. And that's always done from day one is push me forward. And beyond that, you guys have become super good friends from what I can determine. Um, Your background is coming from a military family. It sounds as if Vince, the trainer, is also from there, but that that starting to be the trainer and trainee has blossomed into so much more for you, John. I think of Vince as a brother. I really do. You know, we have our trials and tribulations as brothers do. But at the end of the day, we, we want to come. I want them to come back together. You know, that I want us to be together because we're, we're brothers. So I think of him that way. I don't think of him as a, a trainer. I never have. Um, and I, I've written him some very deep and moving letters about how he's changed my life. And uh, and, and, and that, he was the first person to do that ever in my entire life. He, he changed my life dramatically by helping me lift heavy weights. It was a wonderful journey to get there with him. What do you do without Vince if you're not in Florida and able to go to the gym physically to to be with him? So if you're in North Carolina, what what happens? Do you, you're back in the garage, but or do you guys do things over over Skype or Zoom or something? So the last time I was in North Carolina, Vince wrote my programs every day. 
So he still was, he was doing the program. He just wasn't there, you know. So okay. I, I did the lifting and he did, he directed it from from afar. We didn't do Zoom calls or anything like that. I just knew what I had to do and kind of went out and did it. But he 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 designed the programs and helped me get through being in North Carolina. And how did COVID affect all this, John? I mean, with with my and I don't know about Florida. Maybe maybe the gyms didn't close, but certainly here in Canada, everything was locked down. Did you did how did this affect you? So when I, when I was with when when I was when COVID was going on, we were up in the mountains. We were in North Carolina, so we were isolated. Okay. I was lifting my garage. Vince was still in Florida. Okay. When we, when we came back to Florida. Um, I built a small gym in my basement here and, and did lifting here for a while. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, it, actually, I, I progressed very nicely during COVID. It had no no problem because I continued to build my weight, it, primarily because of the program Vince put together. God bless him. I, I I hope I have the the chance to. I don't know. It would be great at some point, John. We'll have to have you back with Vince on on this Breaking Brave program. I I would just absolutely love it. Can we talk a little bit about the science of central nervous system overloading training, as Vince describes it, or progressive resistance training? Yes. So what is this, essentially, for people out there in the big world who are listening? They don't know what that is. So what it is, is it just means you progress, you progressively increase the weight. So you may do the same number of repetitions. So let's say you're deadlifting. You might start with 100 pounds and deadlift that five times, and then you might, then you might add uh, 20 pounds to it and do same same number of repetitions, but you're always increasing the weight, and that weight gain is what's causing the overload to the central nervous system. It, it's starting to fire up that whole so neurons, and basically your, your body's beginning to really react to the fact that it's working so hard. Are you doing this every day, and the benefits that you receive? How long do those last for you? So when I first started, they might last a day or two. You know, they, they actually helped me for a couple of days. As I've gone back and now I do, uh, I, I train every day except for Saturday and Sunday. So I'm training heavy resistance as much as I can Monday through Friday. And that generally, if what it does is it helps me, it helps me for about a week, about a week or ten days. You know, so which I think is pretty damn good. You know, you yeah. get a little, you get relief from from Parkinson's. I mean, it's not completely in remission, but it's it definitely helps. So, you know, when I come in the gym, let's say I start on Monday, you know, by Wednesday, I really got a really different, I'm a different person completely. You know, I walk, I walk better, I walk more straight, I, I stand up straighter, I walk more, you know, without a, without dragging my feet. You know, it, it's just a much better uh, lifestyle. And what did the doctor say around what you've been able to do by all of this heavy lifting that you're you're doing? Well, I think there is enough number of st- enough studies out there that validate what I'm doing as as something that is is worthwhile for anybody to do. And you know, you don't have to lift 450 pounds. You can do 20 pounds. You can, you know, the idea is to lift resistance, lift weights that are that are heavy to you, right? Not heavy to me. Um, so, wh- what I think I, I would encourage people to do is is get to a gym and check with the trainer and start doing this and see what it does for them. My doctor has basically said. You know, he, he's basically said that this confirms studies that he's read, you know, and, he, and, he, and he, he's constantly pre- preaching to his people. I don't think enough. I think it, many, many times the doctor is like, you know, here you have Parkinson's and, oh, yeah, by the way, you might want to exercise, which I think, you know, I think many times they should really be saying, you really need to pick it up. You know, this is it. You, you've got to, you, you, you know, you can't just walk around the block. You've got to do more than that. 
you know, they should, in my opinion, the doctor should offer some outlet to an exercise program. Maybe not at their yeah. not at their office, but maybe they work with the gym so that they can train these people. Because I think a lot of times people are lost; they don't know what they don't know what to do. You know. And if you weren't an athlete, like you started out before being diagnosed, you were an athlete. But if people aren't, then yeah, walking around the block, well, mm, that's just not going to be enough in terms of stressing your central nervous system to a point where it's actually going to give back and and take back some of the ravages of this disease. Right. Now, I don't expect that this will always last as long as it is. And, you know, because as the disease gets more progressed, I have to do more work to push it off, you know. So in two years, I'm going to have to do more and more work. So at some point, it's just going to be like a day or a half a day, whatever. It'll be that day or whatever it is. But, you know, I can see that happening over time as, as the disease takes hold and becomes more prevalent, it's, I'm not going to be able to push it back as easily. And it's the nature of, you know, it's the na- unfortunately, it's the nature of Parkinson's, right? It, it's kind of like, you know, it's taking a piece of you every single day, you know, 24-7 is out there and taking every, everything it can. So, you know, all you got to do, all you can do is fight back. God bless you, John. And, and how important, therefore, is changing the type of exercise that you do? Now, I know that you're, you're, you basically have, you know, three you you do a bench press, you do a squat, and you do deadlift in terms of heavy weight. But I also see mm-hmm. sled pulls and tires that you work with with Vince. And, and so is it helpful, I guess, medically for your body to oh, to be thrown something new and different from time to time? Because it's like, oh, okay, like I guess in anybody's situation, your muscles can get lazy, right? And what Vince is constantly doing, you know, is confusing my muscles. You know, he's constantly saying, okay, let's flip tires today. No, let's do sleds. You know, let's, instead of uh, doing deadlifts, we're going to do deadlifts with chains. We're going to do deadlifts with bands, you know. We're going to mix it up. We're going to make, you're going to constantly confuse the body. So it has to adapt, right? Not only does your body have to adapt, but your brain has to adapt. So I think it's very important that you don't, you know, go out and do 100 push-ups every day, you know, every single day. You go out and do something different every single day. That's where a trainer is going to come in handy as opposed to trying to write that yourself. You know, having a professional trainer help you do it, it would be really beneficial. Yeah. If I was faced with getting out of bed, John, and doing 100 push-ups every day, I know I'd find a million reasons not to do that. But if I had somebody like yeah. Vince yelling at me that you got to do it, then that's, that certainly helps. Are there, this is going to sound like a lame question, I'm sure. Are there days you're like, I just don't want to do it. Maybe I'll take the day off. Sure. Everybody has those days, you know. I had those days as an athlete before I had Parkinson's, you know, when you're just like, I don't want to do it today, you know. That's when you just have to show up, you know. You have to to get up, get out of bed. Maybe you're going to have not a great day, but you're going to at least show up. And and that, that makes it all the difference in the world is to get into the gym even when you don't feel like it. There's not, I, I can't remember, a handful of days in the last three years I've even called in sick. Let's talk about It's Just Parkinson's, the film, the documentary. I want to understand how that came to be. Who who found you? Who Who decided that this was the most compelling story that needed to be told? I agree with them, by the way. As I said, I watched it twice. But how did that come about in your life? Well, it came about, the, wo- the woman is the, was the director of the film, Diane Ackham, and I were uh, uh, Instagram friends, and she, she had popped onto my site and uh, was looking at all the things that I was doing, you know, all the different 
exercises I was doing, all the different things I was doing to combat Parkinson's. And she came to me and said, I think you have a story that I'd like to tell. And initially I'm like, there's no story here. I'm just doing my mm-hmm. thing. You know, there's no story. I don't, I don't think there's anything you can tell anybody that's going to make any difference in anybody's life. She said, there's a big story here and you need to just trust me. And I, so she approached me in January. By March, I actually uh, engaged her to basically do like a, a, a trial. And by June, we had a we had an outline of a film we wanted to do. And so we took it from there. And you know, I trusted her the entire way because I really, until I saw the film, I kept thinking, what is the story? I mean, come on, really, it's just me. I mean, I'm just doing my thing. You know? And it and it turned out to be a beautiful story. I mean, really, it, it, it's it's a impactful story. Even to me, when I watch it myself, I, I I'm impacted by the film. Now, John, at this point, how like what is the status of this incredibly beautiful documentary? It's just Parkinson's. So, can people watch it? Do people pay to watch it? Do people go to some place to watch it? How how does it work? Because you generously gave it to me to watch. I'd only seen trailers before that. So how does it work for the free world to be able to see your film? Well, right now we're in uh, what I would consider to be uh, distribution uh, partner shopping. Okay. We're we're trying to find find somebody that will either buy the film and distribute it. I I use Netflix as an example. They may not buy it. I mean, somebody like that might buy it and put it on their platform. So we're looking for somebody to distribute the film that way and get it out broadly. In the, in the interim, we are at film festivals right now, so people can see it at film festivals. I'm also pushing it out to a local Parkinson's organizations. So, for instance, uh, I have a contact in New Mexico, uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico. We did a Zoom uh, presentation of the of the movie to them uh, about a month ago, 50 people. Uh, we went to a, a, an assisted living home here in town and showed it to about 38 people. So we're trying to get it out, you know, it's more word of mouth. It's more, you know, hand-to-hand, I guess, right mm-hmm. now. We're trying to get it out as quickly as possible. And, and what I've been doing on my website is as people contact me, I've been giving them access to the film. You know, if somebody says, well, how do I see this film? I need to see it. I give them access to it right away. Fantastic. So anybody out there that wants the film, just contact me, DM me, and okay. I'll, get you, I'll get you a copy of it. So. In terms of us supporting you, John, helping you, if we can get somebody out there in the big world in distribution, some big guy in Netflix or someplace that wants to buy it, that would be the best possible outcome at this point. I think so, or somebody who agreed to distribute it somehow. You know, we've talked to some people about a theatrical opening in in the United States. You know, I don't know that it's theater worthy. I just, I mean, I think... I think when you see it, you think it's worth seeing the theater words. I worry about the title attracting people. You know, it's just Parkinson's. I think some people might be like, oh, I don't want to watch a film about this, you know, this depressing subject. But I think once they see it, I think it's a different story completely. Absolutely. Because hashtag IJP, as we've talked about, is surmounting Parkinson's and moving to, you know, it's just cancer. It's just just whatever anybody is is battling I think that's what the movie's all about, right? It's not. It's not about Parkinson's. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a movie about IJP. It's about overcoming obstacles in your life. It's about moving forward whenever you have an obstacle, whenever you have something that's going to pull you down. That's what the movie's about. And John, for as long as you can remember, when you talked about you know reading stories and you know the ship sank and it's time to go home, do you think that it came from the fact? 
for you as a young man? Do you think it came from the fact that you were raised in a military family? This grit, did that come from your family, from your dad specifically who was in the military? I think that had a lot to do with it because part of my reading would be uh, particular battles in different wars where, where grit was required, and you know, because it was a, it was a, you know, the odds were insurmountable for for these people that were caught in these situations, and you know, and, and it's just a matter of just putting, basically saying, I got to do what I got to do to get through this, and yeah, I think a lot of it was my dad, my dad, the military background. And can you tell us then a little bit about Angie? Angie is a physiotherapist. Am I right when I say that, John? She's my she's my physical therapist. So. Beyond that, she seems like an incredible woman, and you guys have got a friendship going on there, too. Um, am I right when I say you did a Spartan race together? Well, yeah, we've done a couple of Spartan races together. She she conned me into doing Spartan. She's a very, she does a lot of Spartan races. She'll go and do uh, three on a weekend. She'll do uh, one on a Saturday and two on Sunday. Yeah, she's amazing. She's incredible. What is a Spartan race? I mean, it generally, I know it's, it's like, Maybe what we have here in Canada called a tough mudder, M-U-D-D-E-R. Maybe those exist in the States too, but some hellish reality, physical push to the limit type of thing. But describe to me, please, what Spartan racing is for you. It's an obstacle course race. It's just like, it's like tough mudder. Only it's, it's, a, it's a bit harder than okay. a tough mudder. You know, it's generally going to be longer. They run, they run from either three miles, six miles to 13 miles. So some are really long. Um, and there's usually 20 to 30 obstacles on each course, you know, so you might have to climb, you might have to climb some ropes, you might have to go in some, you know, some mucky water, you might have to, you know, throw a sphere, you know, there's a lot of different things that you have to do to, to overcome the obstacles. So it's a, it's a, it's a strenuous race, but it's also done for time, right? So you gotta, you gotta get through these obstacles very quickly. And uh, so Angie, Angie, you know, talked me into doing a Spartan race and I loved them for, for a period of time. I could really, I enjoyed them tremendously. What was it like your first time that you were doing this? Well, Angie took off. I never saw her, you know. <laughs> <laughs> She's so good. I mean, I just kind of went on my own. It was actually a, a, a three-mile race, so it wasn't that bad. It was uh, was wonderful. Uh, I enjoyed every aspect of it. The, the one that we did in uh, South Carolina a year later was a was called a beast, and it was a 13-mile race, which we, we did together, quote-unquote, you know. But... Uh, you know that that experience was much more like Parkinson's because you just you get to a dark place and you got to figure out how to get out. Mm. You know, it's, it's 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 all about trying to get through the process. People looking at you would say, "Oh my God, John, you're the bravest man in the entire world. So brave." What does bravery as a word? What does bravery mean to you? Just give me a gut reaction on that. I think it means not being afraid of the consequence. You know, not being afraid, of, not, to, not being afraid to put yourself out there, and not being afraid of the consequence. And I mean, you know, when you do a Spartan race, you're not you're not sure if you're going to finish the race, right? So you put yourself out there, and you may or may not finish. But the the, the brave thing is to put yourself out there. So I look at it that way, regardless of the consequence. You know, and I think that's the same thing with Parkinson's. I guess you know, I, I don't know what the consequence is going to be, but I'm going to fight it. I'm going to, I'm going to push 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 back against it as as hard as it's pushing against me. Thank you. Your logo, it's just Parkinson's. Yeah. I love. But I don't think I understood why I loved it so much until I read on your website what 
it indicates and what it means and how it came to be. Could you tell us a little bit about about that, John? And let me just tell you a little bit about the formation of that particular logo that we have now. Uh, a friend of mine and I were struggling to come up with a logo, and we were really on this David and Goliath path, you know, David and, you know, Goliath being Parkinson's and David being, you know, me, me or the person that has Parkinson's. Uh, but that didn't really work as a as a metaphor because Goliath David killed Goliath, right? So he slayed Goliath. Well, you know, there, if if that was true, you you never slay Parkinson's. So it didn't quite work as a logo. But we were just messing around with it, and we put it up on our website, and we said, "Do you like this logo?" It was it was at that point it was David and Goliath. Um, he said, "Do you like this logo?" Nine people said they loved it, and one person said they hated it. They, they thought it was they didn't like it at all. So I called that person. I said. What don't you like? He said, well, it doesn't work. It does not work. And it turned out that the gentleman that didn't like it, his dad had it Parkinson's. And, and he basically said, look, I, I have an idea for a logo. I want to do it as a, as a, as a memento to my father. And so he took, he took a two weeks off and he came back with this logo with, uh, with Atlas. Basically, Atlas, if you recall, he was a Greek god who was uh, basically sentenced to carry the weight of the heavens on his on his back for eternity and so now if you look at our logo you know ijp that's atlas carrying the heavy weight of ijp on on our backs for eternity so um the weight of of the disease the weight of anything you're battling when you take it up above it's just parkinson's or it's just whatever the individual is is battling it's beautiful it's really beautiful and so I didn't know that story. Thank you for sharing it with us. Oh, and, you know, and one other thing about the logo is you get it right away. See, if you just look at the words, it's just Parkinson's by themselves, it sounds kind of flip. But then when you look at with the logo and you see that it's this weight that's just bearing down on this individual, you, you understand that it's, it's, not, it's not flip. You know, it's, 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 it's the nature of the beast. We understand what that is. But, but we're, and, we're, and we're determined to carry it as far as we can. Thank you. I would love to hear about your your state weightlifting competition that you and Vince attended together. That's part of the film, so I got to watch that. I just want to understand, was it your idea? Was it Vince's idea? How did it, that you guys are going to go to a, a weightlifting competition and you're going to go for some state records? Uh, that was really my idea. I wanted to see, I wanted to test the theory of could Vince get me ready? You know, the 60, at that time I was 62 years old. Could he get this 62 year old body ready to compete? And, and what, what could we do in the competition? And it, it turned out that we had a great time doing in the competition. I think the thing that I like about the competition in the movie is that it's a microcosm of life, right? The first, the very first lift I did, I was the very first lifter on the, on the, on the, on the second day. And I failed my lift. I, I, I went down and I just failed. And, and that's just like life. So what are you going to do, right? What do you? What, so this right there was a lesson right there. We just get back up and go back out and and attack this thing. So the the, the I think the competition was a microcosm of life, and you know that it kind of showed me failing and but but putting out as much energy as I possibly could. For instance, when I missed this, I did I went for the state record on, on bench press. And I, and I didn't get it, but I put out as much energy as I possibly could, and my effort was 100%. And 
And so I left it all on the table. And when I walked, when I sat up, I was smiling because I'd, I'd given it my all. And so that's all you can ask, right? Is you do the best you can with what you got, where you're at. And, and that's, how we, that's how we did it. Will you do it again, John? Will you try again? Will you go to another one of these competitions, do you think? I think we, w- I think we will. It's a, as a kind of a side benefit, my daughter has taken up powerlifting too. So she wants to do a competition with me. Isn't that cool? Fantastic. So, so how old is your daughter and what's the plan for the two of you in terms of the vision of wh- when and where maybe would this happen? Well, I think what we, she's 26 and uh, she's actually lifting some very heavy weight right now. She's part, part of it is, uh, you know, she's just built for this. She's built for powerlifting. She really is. And, you know, she's, she's deadlifting 335 pounds. She's squatting 330 pounds. I mean, she's, she's just crazy heavy. She's crazy good at, at those two lifts. I think what we're going to do is the competition I did with Vince, uh, maybe possibly next February. You know, give me enough time to get trained up and, and give her enough time to get trained up and go do it together, which I think would be great. Father, daughter, we'd have a good time. Okay, yes. So, okay, so I really, really want you to come back on Breaking Brave with your daughter because I want to hear how it goes and, and, and just the life experience for the two of you to be doing this together. How great. It's going to be awesome. She's this kid, my my daughter's a doer. She loves to do things, and so this is right up her alley. And you know, of course she is. She's your daughter. Well, and she's just you know. I mean, I think you know it's an honor. What an honor for a dad to be able to have their daughter, you know, want to do things as a dad does. I mean, come on, that's just that's you know that's stuff right out of the movies. Fantastic. I'm gonna I'm gonna go down a path here. Just it was something that Vince, your trainer, said. And also something that Angie said in the movie around, we're not making any special compensations for John. Like, John is John. And and no, can I help you with that? Or no, he gets to go a little slower than everybody else. Or no, he. it's like, no, you don't want it to, and they don't want it to. So there's no, oh, gee, I feel sorry for this guy going on. Uh, you're absolutely correct. As a matter of fact, I, when I, when we go into when we entered races, I would always say, "You guys don't wait for me." You know, I got what I got. I am where I'm going to be. Don't don't worry about it. I'm going to get through this. And they go off and do their own thing, which I think was better than them being right beside me, going, "You know, hey, come on, John, you okay? Let me help you. Let me help yeah. you." Same thing with weightlifting. Vince Vince is always like the weight's the weight. It doesn't care whether you have Parkinson's, whether you don't have Parkinson's. You can either pick it up or you can't. You know, so to me, it's that that's I, I kind of like that because it, it's it doesn't really discriminate against, you know, whether you have Parkinson's or not. You know, can you pick up the weight or not? And that's it. I love that. Thank you. You mentioned in the film, John, that that depression can be and based on some of my research into Parkinson's, that can be a thing. Has this entered your life as a result of this horrific disease? Yes, it has. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I, I'm taking some medication now to help with that. And I think it, part of it is you think about dopamine is a happy drug, right? It yeah. makes you feel good. Yeah. And when you don't, what, what, I mean, if you don't have it, what, guess what? You don't feel good. You know. Yeah. So at some point, you have to address that issue and say, can can what what is it that that I can do to help myself? And if it's a chemical imbalance, it's a chemical imbalance. You know, you, you just have to accept that. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I, and I I feel much better off having having some something to address it with. I, mean, I would encourage anybody with Parkinson's to, to, if they feel like they're depressed, they should talk to their doctor. 
it's not it's not a shameful thing to be on medication for that kind of stuff, particularly with Parkinson's, because you don't have you don't have the dopamine. Yeah, it totally makes sense. So apart from you and your daughter getting ready for a contest or competition next February, what's next for you, John? What what do you want to do? What what I I think next for me is is I think IJP is at, at, at this inflection point in its life. And I think, you know, with the movie coming out and we're talking about writing a book and we're talking about you know, getting out there on the speaking circuit, you know, maybe trying to do a TED Talk or two, that I think that's my really next chapter, which is how do we, how do we make IJP something that, that really means something to a lot more people? I love that. TED Talk in a book. Oh, you'd be brilliant at that. How can we support you, John? I, how... How can we support IJP? How can people follow you, reach you, ask you questions, any of those things? This is the shameless John Cullen promotional piece here where I'm like, okay, John, what can the world do to support what you're doing? Well, I think right now, if you want to get in contact with me, Instagram is the best place to go. It's just Parkinson's is the, is the site on Instagram you can go to. If you want to contact me, DM me there. I'd be glad to get back with you. I, I, I'm regularly in contact with uh, dozens of people on the site who have questions, who have, who are, some of them are just down and out and need some support. You know, I, 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 I kind of wear a lot of hats on that. So I'd be happy to con- have people contact us there. If they'd like to support, uh, it's just Parkinson's. The, the we- a new website's coming out. There will be a donate button on that website and you can donate money to the, to the Parkinson's that way. And that, that website is www.itsjustparkinsons.com. And you have your merchandise on your website, John, so it, it, you, people could buy that as well? Yes, they can. We have, uh, we have logo T-shirts, and we also have the Mindset T-shirts, which I think the Mindset T-shirts are the ones that really sell because it's more, it, life is a mindset, right? It, if you have a disease, or every day you wake up, you can decide how to, how to approach your day. That's all mindset. Before we say goodbye... And it's not goodbye, because I want you and your daughter to come back after the competition. Definitely. Um, and I want to check in on you and see how you're doing, and I'd love to meet your daughter. What would you like to leave the world with at this point in terms of some words? What should we be hearing from John Cullen right now? Well, I think the word that I would leave is never give up and never surrender, ever, ever. You know, no matter what, what you're faced with, uh, go down fighting. Do not give up. And that's my that's my whole creed, you know. I'm not, I, you know, I I may be in a wheelchair five years from now. I may, but I'm still not going to stop fighting. You know what I mean? It's uh, nothing's going to get me down. And I think for anybody else, I'd say to do the same thing, which is don't give up the fight. Always stay in the fight. Thank you, John. Thanks so much for listening to Breaking Brave. For updates between episodes, please visit my website, MarilynBarefoot.com. You can also find me at Marilyn Barefoot. That's it for today. See you next time.